charging infrastructure and smart charging are the topics for today's EVQuest podcast. I'm talking with Johnny Parker, CEO and co-founder of Wellington-based company Thundergrid. Thundergrid's purpose is to ease the load on the grid and eliminate barriers to electric vehicle adoption. Hello, Johnny. Hi, how are you doing, Adrian? Good, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat. Oh, no, thanks for having me along. Always good. First up, can you tell me more about Thundergrid's main areas of operation? So, yeah, at Thundergrid, we we support people to transition their vehicles to electric. So you could be the likes of a, um, you know, a, a fleet company or you might have a large vehicle fleet. You could be a government agency or a corporate or even just a, a homeowner. And you're looking to um, ensure that you've, you're doing the right thing when it comes to installing EV charging infrastructure. Uh, and so what we do at Thundergrid, you know, we are there to, uh, to assist. We help people plan. We help look at the vehicle data, what type of um, EVs might be relevant what type of charging infrastructure might be suited. And then we look at things like electricity capacity to then advise on what you can actually do around your, your charging infrastructure. So we, we help a lot with the due diligence and the planning and review. Uh, and then we also uh, provide uh, installation project management, and we can also provide charge point operation management to customers. So we provide a, an ongoing service to help um, with a help desk. So if you've got any users who are having might want extra support to charge their EVs to, to help troubleshoot. It might be that you need billing services to recover cost uh, from EV charging. Um, and it might be that you also need, you know, someone to help with project managing deployments across the country or across multiple countries. And that's where, where Thundergrid come in. We, we're, we're the doers. So we, we, we help you get it done on the ground. Are you mainly dealing with fleets of cars? So the majority of our work is with fleets. So we, we work with uh, a lot of government uh, agencies. We work with a lot of corporates um, and we work with them to help assess their facilities, their office based locations uh, and even their staff homes to determine where's best to have EV charging points. Um, so some some cases it's logical to have, you know, uh, a, a mass group of EV chargers together at, say, an office to recharge a uh, a fleet of vehicles that's you know based uh, at the premises, or sometimes if you have vehicles that are assigned to staff members, it can actually be uh, an easier deployment to do uh, home charges. And we um, so we project manage all the installations either domestically or commercially, and then we link all the charges into a portfolio for the customer, so they can then see all the energy analytics, all the charging data, all the fuel use through their EVs. And they can do that knowing that, you know, Thundergrid is there uh, at the end of the phone, ready to support their staff or ready to support them. Uh, and also helping to manage any cost recovery that might need to happen between parties. So we, we do a lot of that for, um, for government fleets, for corporates, and an increasing number of um, developers and body corps for apartment buildings where EV charging is quite a challenge to, um, to make, it, uh, make it fair for apartment owners. So we come in and design the system and, and make sure a user pays um, system works. And then we manage it to take the stress away from, from the body corp. Um, but we are also doing an increasing number of, of home charger installs for the general public as well who have bought an EV uh, and they want a smart charger for their home. 
Uh, and that's a, a, you know, a small but growing segment for us. That's a lot going on. What actually made you want to start the business? Well, um, yeah, a, a long time ago, I, I worked in um, energy efficiency uh, for commercial, but prior to that, also in energy efficiency projects for domestic. And a big part of my work was also working to improve the, you know, the um, housing standard across New Zealand, because there's a lot of people who are really struggling to heat their homes and pay the power. And so through that work, I realized there's obviously a, a quite a big demographic that are quite vulnerable to power price increases. And being kind of a, you know, sustainably minded, we've, I've always reckon, recognized the benefit that EVs have for New Zealand. Um, but I was quite worried about what the impact would be of them on the, on the national grid. Um, and if they all just rocked up tomorrow, the likelihood of the cost of power having to go up for everybody seemed a bit unfair to me. So uh, I set about to design or um, put together the tools to enable EV charging load to be managed across the grid, really as a mechanism to uh, prevent the cost of power going up for everybody. Uh, and that was really to make energy more equitable and to also open the door to electric vehicles rather than, than letting, letting them become a problem. Because... Um, EVs are a huge opportunity for New Zealand. It's 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 quite a rarity as a country that we have eighty four percent renewable energy, and um, we're currently spending about you know somewhere between seven and nine billion dollars every year on importing oil from overseas that we you know we bring in and then we set fire to it in in our country, and so we're adding up to our pollution. We're losing money out of our economy. And we're being wedded to a, a the price of a fuel that we can't control because it's dependent on overseas entities. So we're quite vulnerable in terms of energy security. So EVs solve that. You know, we can actually generate that fuel locally. We can insulate ourselves from from the volatility of fossil fuels. And at the same time, if we do it well, we can also do it in a managed way that doesn't increase the cost of electricity for all users across the grid. So that way EVs don't get blamed if the price of power is increasing. So that's that's what Thundergrid is. That's we, we're, We've got a, a very holistic sort of bigger vision and what um, load management means for the grid and how EVs can actually benefit and play a part of that rather than being a hindrance, if that makes sense. That's quite a good point about the cost because I wonder what's gonna happen when we're all in EVs. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a worry. Yeah, it's, it's quite a it's quite a peak in demand for the lines companies, and they built the network, you know, to handle so much current. And if everybody gets an EV in these suburbs, you know, there can be you know potential for brownouts. Um, and so we're just trying to put the tools in place so those uh, lines companies can you know have something to you know to stop that happening and to stop a sudden reactionary price increase for everybody. Just a normal price increase, not a reactionary one. Exactly. Yeah, just more around inflation that's there and, and not one that's, you know, because Dave down the road's bought a Tesla, suddenly Susan's price of power has gone through the roof, but she could never dream of owning an EV. You know, that's quite, yeah, so we want to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's quite a good way to think about it, isn't it? Mm. You seem to be growing quite fast. Have there been some challenges along the way? 
Yeah, there's been lots. Yeah, I guess there has been, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we are growing really fast. I mean, we've been at this a long time. We we started, you know, putting things into place back in uh, 2015, 2016, and we started trading in 2017. Um, always interested in EVs, always trying to figure out, you know, how we can do that. And our our expertise has has been energy efficiency work. So we do energy management. So we've got quite a you know a broad brush of experience when it comes to fine tuning you know buildings and building systems, improving the performance of of facilities and managing energy better. And so um, yeah, we we started off really small, and it was uh, at the time we were kind of scratching a living really, just trying to you know have coffees with people and talk about EVs and trying to establish you know when is it going to happen in New Zealand. Um, and the last couple of years, it's it's you know it's it's suddenly gone gangbusters because there's been a paradigm shift in the cost of EVs, in the availability, the choice, and it's become very obvious to to everybody that you know electric will be the you know the future of all vehicles in many cases. Um, and so yeah, it's we've 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 undergone quite a lot of growth and a lot of demand for our services, uh, and that's really great. And um, but there's there's always definitely challenges along the way, you know. As a uh, a small growing New Zealand company, there's always the you always need capital to try and invest. So we've had to be very diligent about our growth. You know, we could only grow in line with our our own sustainability. Um, and there's other challenges too, which is I think to be, you know, we have quite a lot of expertise, but sometimes it's hard to get your voice heard over some of the the bigger guys in the room or at the table if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, we've really just been, you know, having to overcome uh, challenge by challenge and just think smarter each time. And so um, and so that's how we've been solving everything. And, and one by one, we've been removing roadblocks for our customers. Uh, we've been rolling up our sleeves and helping remove things that were, were stopping their installations, be it, you know, electrical capacity, be it, a misunderstanding between say a landowner or or the or the tenant that needs the ev charges um but you know and as a company we've been slowly overcoming and gaining trust of of larger larger clients so um you know so they're not just gonna work with some of the big guys they are willing to work with um a, a small uh, fine-tuned entity like thundergrid What's been some of the customer feedback after the switch? Is it sort of been where's my well, petrol? It, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. There's um, there's definitely a like kind of you know a kind of um, a transition journey there, and um, it it depends how it's managed and how the cars often are delivered to the staff. That's what we find. So, you know, some places have historically just bought some cars and some EV EVs and and some chargers and then not really spent any time to show the staff around them. And um, as a result, you know, they've been, they've left the petrol cars there and people by default go to the petrol cars because they're not sure about this new EV and how it quite works. Um, but slowly people are getting a lot better at the the handover in terms of onboarding um, staff with EVs. And once people are in them, once they've switched it on and they've done a drive, there's actually very little to worry about. They're a lot easier to drive than petrol cars. They're a lot cleaner, simpler, and quieter. Um, 
But always the elephant in the room that most people have concerns about is the the range anxiety. And, um, you know, when you start looking at how vehicles are used and when they're parked and when they could be recharged, you start realizing that very few people are actually traveling 500 kilometers a day and that you an EV can fill the need of a daily, um, you know, the, the daily requirements of many companies. And so once they get over that first, you know, understanding, they've looked at the data and they've, they've introduced the cars and they've done, um, you know, done their testing, they, they soon realize that actually there's nothing to worry about. It's just the same as a petrol car, except it happens to drive on electricity that is tons cheaper and easier to deliver to the car. So these definite cost savings compared to the petrol past? Yeah. Yeah, there's, it depends very much on how you're charging the car. So, you know, if you're in control of the power on site, so if you're charging the car, maybe at the staff homes or at your office, your price of power is going to be a lot lower than if you're charging those cars at, at public charges. So that's kind of the one way to optimize your costs is figuring out where you're going to actually refuel most of your fleet. But even still, with using some of the, the, the good and growing public charging network, it still is, is far cheaper than the cost of, of petrol. Um, and often a lot of people overlook the maintenance savings that come with EVs. You know, they, before they're having to get oil changes, filter changes, fuel filter changes, um, spark plug changes. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's over 2,000 moving parts to a combustion engine um, with a lot of wear and tear. So the maintenance bills are a lot higher and more comprehensive. But with an EV, it's an electric motor and uh, and a battery. So it's 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 far more efficient and it doesn't require so much servicing. So your, um, your servicing costs are a lot lower too. But the, you know, it depends on what you're comparing it to, you know, generally the capital price is a bit higher for an EV, but they are dropping to the price of, of petrol cars too. So yeah, depends very much on what you're doing really. Is there uh, any sort of particular popular car for the fleets? Is there a, is there a go-to EV? Yes. People are going for? There's, I mean, there's a lot of really good ones now, like a really, the, the, the range was quite limited um, a couple of years ago, and, and now it's it's being really opened up and, you know, the all government price book has been opened up to many different brands. Um, so we're seeing, you know, Polestars entering, you know, sort of fleet markets being a very dependable EV. We're seeing um, uh, Hyundai's being a, a really strong backbone with a, a, a good supply and a good um Good arrangement with, with corporates we're seeing um you know chinese brand byd making a big entry and and really uh laying the gauntlet down in, in reducing the upfront cost of of purchasing an ev and we're also now seeing you know tesla which has typically been a brand that many fleets kind of avoid for fear of um looking too prestige um but slowly tesla is becoming you know way more affordable and more mainstream and so that, that kind of barrier of prestige, which was preventing many people from introducing them to the fleet is slowly being removed. So we're really seeing a good mixture of, of electric vehicles now, and it's a bit more of an open playing field. So uh, just as sort of an example, just saying I'm, I've got a medium-sized business and uh, I rock on up to you saying I want to go to EVs, what are, 
what are some of the questions you'll be asking me first to analyze what my needs would be? Well, it's, um, it, it depends on what stage we're brought in. So sometimes we work with a, a fleet expert. So someone like a, you know, a, a, a fleet consultant would have already done the, the due diligence on, on how the fleet's used and what type of EVs might be relevant. And then we would get tagged in from that point to work on the, the infrastructure challenge. Um, but for example, if you are just coming in cold, you know, you've, you've not done anything and you're not even sure what, what EVs. I'd say the first thing is to look at um, your vehicle telemetry, like if you have vehicle trackers, or to figure out what your daily range, you know, pockets of travel are. Um, and then how you use the vehicles. So, you know, what's the what's the purpose of them? Are they moving heavy goods? Are they moving stock? Are they just moving staff? Um, and once you've figured out your daily bubble of travel, your daily range requirements and your typology of vehicle needed, well, then you've, you know, you've got half the things you need to start figuring out what's an EV equivalent that will give me those functions that I need. Um, and what, battery size will will guarantee that daily range that i need um so we can sort of help point you towards experts that can can do that um and then what we we do is step in when you're you're now ready to then choose uh you know we've identified the locations where charging would be beneficial um and that's where we then uh come in as thundergrid and do a site inspection so we look at all the fuse boards on site we look at the uh, cable reticulation. We'll look at site plans or any electrical drawings. We will do walkthroughs with uh, the local electrician or someone who's familiar with the site. Um, and at the same time, we'll look at the electricity billing data, the uh, what's called the time of use 30-minute um, data, and as well as we might put on data loggers, uh, which are there to record the power every, you know, every five minutes or every minute. Um, to really figure out how the power is being used on the site. Uh, and then what we, go, we, we do is go away and compute the amount of EV chargers that could be supported or the amount of EVs that could be charged with that available connection before you either need to upgrade the connection um, or, or so you can really figure out what you can do without having to go to your local lines company and ask for more power. Um, and so we do that. We cost it out, design it, and then help people install it. Mm. I guess I guess you got to make sure you can do that charging bit first. Yeah. So one of the classic problems we often see is where someone's bought all the EVs, or they've got them on order, and they've not stopped to think about how are they going to charge them, and do they have enough power? And yeah, I remember reading. I remember reading some yeah. example where some company bought a fleet, and then they worked out that they couldn't actually charge them. That's right. It can become a scramble. You know, it's um, we've we've had calls before with vehicles held at port because they can't receive the the cars because they haven't got the chargers. So it's um, all hands on deck to try and you know get the sites assessed, get the due diligence done, and then get the infrastructure installed ahead, and get it done you know competitively as well. So it's um, it is quite challenging. And my advice to anyone out there thinking of this is really start with the infrastructure because it's the it's the number one thing that can trip you up so it's better to learn now if your site hasn't got enough power before going to invest in the evs um so having a site assessment done with a report on the, the building's capacity 
and uh, using various load management techniques, how many EV chargers or EVs could be supported, I'd say is probably your number one um, starting peg if you can. Good point. That'd be embarrassing if you bought the cows and you couldn't charge them. Uh, it, it definitely nothing. <laughs> Uh, you said before about how things had accelerated. Where do you actually sort of see the next five years going? Are they going to sort of kick on, flatten off, drop down a little bit, or are we still in the early days? I, I'm, I mean, the way we're we're anticipating the the growth, it will continue to accelerate because um, you know we'll be seeing a lot of aging petrol vehicles being retired from fleet, and we with a lot more. Um, onus now on corporates to report their environmental emissions uh, for shareholders, they need to look at all aspects of their operational business to figure out where are our emissions and where should we be tackling them. And one of the obvious ones is their vehicle fleets, um, which can be significant depending on the nature of the business. So regardless of government, regardless of of um, technology, it's it's becoming apparent that EVs are the logical choice for many, uh, many corporates because of cost savings, but because of the emission savings. So we anticipate a, a long period of growth in the EV sector um, as those older petrol and diesel vehicles get cycled out of service uh, and we can then open the door for, for cleaner, more efficient vehicles. Well, yeah, yeah, just myself. Whenever I see a, a company car go past with the logo, I, I check if it's uh, I check what kind of car it is. I see if it's an EV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always spot the ones because some of them now are almost trying to hide their exhaust. You have to kind of look carefully because yeah. they yeah. Before an exhaust was a big, you know, a big sort of show-off thing, and now it's like everyone's trying to hide them if they're still petrol. <laughs> so it's um. Yeah, it is funny. And you start sort of seeing, you know, what vehicles are appropriate as well, because, you know, you can, it's obviously the, the issue New Zealand's quite famous for of having a lot of, a lot more utes on the, on the roads than are necessary. Um, and, you know, is that, is that vehicle really fit for purpose? You know, is that really being used as in four wheel drive all the time sort of thing? Um, so, yeah, it's a good point. And it's, it, it very much comes down to a branding and a, a credentials and persona for very many companies. And so, so getting it right is quite important. Yeah, made a good point about that. You sort of um, you see the company's sustainability information on the website. Yeah, we're, we're seeing it through supply chains being influenced. You know, for example, when, you know, we're, when we're responding to tenders, they're asking us about, you know, what are we doing for emissions reductions and, um, uh, and, that's becoming true. So any kind of sort of council or government uh, tenders will often have a broader outcomes around emissions. And we're starting to see corporates putting out the same ones to their suppliers. So the, the, the influence is there. The, you know, the, the story, the writing's on the wall for everybody is that you, you do need to reduce your emissions and have a strategy for it. And where are you looking at taking Thundergrid over the next five years? So um, in the next five years, we're about to undergo a, a, a stage of growth. Um, so we'll be looking to uh, expand within New Zealand and to really build out our, our service focusing on uh, on commercial EV charging services. Um, we will be looking at some stage probably to, you know, to, to set up in Australia as well, um, to start doing the same thing there. Um, 
and uh, we we hope to do a lot more development in the background to really try and um, you know solve some of the broader power management issues that are out there. So we've been developing some technology that will support the grids to to flex in real time uh, to accommodate EVs. Um, and we we plan to you know to try and bridge gaps as well between different parties and different service providers to try and you know bring in things like roaming so uh, people can roam between EV charging networks. We can just try and remove barriers and difficulties for users. Um, so yeah, our objective is to to now grow out in New Zealand and then expand into into Australia as well. Is our grid going to be okay? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it depends on how quickly, um, we can electrify most of the things that New Zealand needs to electrify and how much grace we can get the grid to reinforce itself. So, I mean, EVs are one thing, so they're, 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 they're rocking up quickly and adding a lot of congestion at the right times, but they don't need to be drinking power all at once. So they're manageable. But there's other loads coming on, such as, you know, as we step away from gas and coal boilers. So electrification of process heat, uh, stationary heat will require a lot of energy from the grid. And then as we, uh, you know, look beyond 2030, when you know, there's no more gas connections to houses, you know, every home is going to have electric hot water storage or instantaneous electric. But we're also seeing an increase in induction cooktops. So there's, you know, the overall demand is creeping up and so um yeah we're, that's why we're, we're really urgently trying to build the tools to enable that load to to be managed through the existing pipes if that makes sense mm, yes uh, that's interesting johnny uh is there anything else you want to cover off that people should be aware of i think one thing i want to point out is the there is a um in order for us to to have evs and um, protect the grid, we need people to choose smarter chargers. Um, right now, there's quite a, an array of mixture of confusing EV charge stations out there. So, you know, people can choose ones from some companies that are not controllable. They can't be linked to any platform or energy management system. And they're often cheaper, but the problem is it, it comes at a bigger price to the whole the whole of the country because it means there's no means to flex that load. Um, so I, I think one of the key messages out there is to, if you're looking at buying an EV charger, choose a smart charger. And what a smart charger is essentially is one that can communicate over the internet and it can use a language called OCPP. You know, if it's got that and it has the means to be linked to the internet, your charger can be made to be smart. And I, I think they're the bare minimums. If people can shop for that, um, that would really help everybody in New Zealand and it would help the grid in the future. Okay, that's that's probably a good spot to finish on. Thank you, Johnny. Cool. So awesome. I've got to get a smart charger and hopefully you will be lowering my power bill. That's right. We're hopefully we'll be avoiding you know the need for your power to suddenly jump up in price as everyone's freaking yeah. out <laughs> you've got my business if you can do that <laughs> we can and we shall so um yeah that's good to know okay thanks very much johnny 
Awesome. Thanks, Adrian. Well, thanks for having me along and, and have a good evening.